live from Post Haste, it's Holistic Strides. Hey now everybody, thanks for watching Holistic Strides, a Start With Your Feet production. We are coming to you live on tape from Post Haste Pharmacy and Wellness Center in Hollywood, Florida. My name is Dr. Richard Rimler, also known as Doc Rick. And this is Dr. Howard Petasevsky, also known as Doc Improv. And together, we are the John Lennon and Paul McCartney of Holistic Podiatry. And we are also the hosts of Holistic Strides, a talk show devoted to taking one step forward on the path to a more holistic lifestyle with an emphasis on foot health and a splash of humor. Just a panache, a splash. Now please, Doc Improv, can you please give me the wellness high sign? Thank you. And where is that from, by the way? Little Rascals. Of course. You are correct, sir. Hey now. <laughs> so we're going to lay some ground rules out for you, uh, for you holistic striders. For those of you participating in the home audience, the home video version of the game, uh, anybody can say hello or how are you? We here at Holistic Strides prefer a hey now. Uh, so for all you striders, it shows a solidarity, community, it's a, a little deference to the great, late great Gary Shandling from the Larry Sha Sanders Show and also Howard Stern. So we prefer hey now. Hey now. Uh, hey now. So another couple of ground rules. Uh, you know, we sort of uh, amuse ourselves sometimes, or I might be impressed with something that Doc uh, Rick says, or he might be impressed with something that I say, so we take a time out, high five. Doesn't take much to uh, impress ourselves. Uh, the other thing is a timeout explained. So, for instance, if Doc Rick is saying something technical uh, about holistic strides, and for some reason uh, one of our viewers or our listeners does not understand the word, I might say, Hey now, time out, time out, explain. And then we will exactly. explain the term for all of you people that are unsure what the term means, and then we continue on our merry way. So those are some ground rules for holistic strides. And uh, also the, the time out high five is also to try to get us back on subject yes. if we start to veer off, which can happen. Uh, and it will we, happen. And it, 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 of course, that's a possibility. It is. So it's just it's a way to keep us on track. Yes. Okay, and with that, we are going to get to our introductory Hey Now. So, Hey Now, Doc Improv. Hey Now, Doc Rick. Wishing you a very good show. This is our third episode. So now we're starting to get a little comfortable. For the next, I think, about six or seven episodes now, we are going to not have any guests so that you and I can start to build up a little bit more of a give and take and we can cover the very important subjects that we want to cover as a foundation to all of you striders out there that are trying to live a holistic lifestyle. So why should people watch our show? The reason is to achieve better health through self-empowerment with the understanding that it all starts with your feet. And the idea is also to add one holistic principle each month to your life and gradually transform yourself into a healthier person that is less likely to have chronic disease. Makes sense. Okay, so before we get to our topic today, which is gonna be shoes, so you're gonna be learning all about the components of what makes a good shoe, we're gonna talk about a recent Start With Your Feet video, 
and it just so happens that it's also shoe related. So today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, minimalist running shoes. So the main points that I made in that video were that if you're going to wear a, a very flimsy shoe when you are going out to exercise, there are a few points that you want to know. To me, the first thing is that you want to have just a mild flat foot, which to me is the ideal foot. So a mild flat foot is a little bit of flattening, not too much, a little bit of shock absorption, not going too much or not going too little. So you have to have the ideal foot. You also want to only do this in short distances. So I do not recommend doing this for a marathoner. Um, so for instance, that ties into the high intensity interval training. So you're only doing it for about 10 to 12 minutes. You also want to make sure you're doing it on a clean and flat surface like a track, um, which has a little bit of give to it also. Because if you're doing it on a sidewalk, a road, there are tons of foreign objects that can come your way and cracks in the sidewalk, you can sprain your ankle very easily. So also, if you are over the age of 40, you want to have caution to doing this. So if you're younger than 40, you can probably get away with it a little easier. Like us. Older than 40, then we have to be a little bit more careful because that's when things start to happen. So any comments on that? As no, far totally, as minimalist? Totally agree for a while. Shoes. It was extremely popular. And I don't know about you, but I was getting all these people that were coming in with not minimalist injuries from sprains and strains. So yeah, bad for uh, bad for people running in them, perhaps. Good for us. You know, That's right. Unless you had that perfect foot. <laughs> okay, so um, I just want to talk uh, briefly about high intensity interval training. I'm going because I feel that is the number one thing that everybody can do for their health. I just want to go over the quick Doc Rick prescription for high intensity interval training. Now, have you been have you've been continuing to do it. that? Yes, yeah. love it. Absolutely so, love it. so I personally have been doing it for nine years, and I know for a fact that it has helped me immeasurably. Uh, so basically the whole trick is you pick your sport, whether it be walking, running, exercise, bikes, swimming, etc. That's the first thing. Make it close to home so you don't have to travel to do it. So it doesn't become a big schlep. So that way you can also do it in the morning. So the morning is preferred because you get it out of the way before all of the distractions start to come your way. So the beautiful thing is that you can do it in the morning without having to wake up an hour early because it only takes about 10 to 12 minutes. And you can vary the prescription uh, depending on how much time you're doing. The key thing is, is that when you're doing the fast intervals that you need to do the fast ones a total of two minutes. That was the latest study internationally saying that two minutes of the high intensity is equates to walking for an hour for instance. But to me, it's better because with my technique, you're building your body up. So basically, uh, your the prescription is 20 seconds fast, then you, then you slow down for a minute and catch your breath. And you do that about six times. Then your final three are 15 seconds rather than 20. Shorter time. And then after each one, you also take a one minute uh, recovery interval. And then the whole key is doing those final three at a faster speed. So what you are doing is you are building your body up that way, as opposed to a marathon run that, that brings your body physiologically downward. 
So by doing that, you are keeping your telomeres long or telomeres. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but I, I think telomeres sounds a little better. I have, I to me, it sounds a little bit like television. It sounds like Target versus Target. It's classier, the telomeres. Okay, so I'm gonna uh, let's go with that. Yeah. I mean, if somebody wants to correct us on it, they can. Absolutely. That means that somebody's listening and yes. watching. Uh, so we want to keep those telomeres long, which is anti-aging, and that's the whole trick to not getting chronic disease. So uh, we urge you to join the Start With Your Feet and Holistic Strides movement, and that is to make America healthy again. And that is my campaign slogan. If I were to run for president, yes. that I would be make America healthy again. Like Back in the day, we were always uh, out in the field and, and doing physical work and now everything is very, is the opposite of that. So we're getting away from that. So you have to incorporate that. Our thumbs are getting very muscular. <laughs> we have to incorporate that into our lifestyle. So please do it in the morning. Monday through Friday preferred, go to the gym on the weekends and do your weights. That's what I do, and that's, I think, a good, realistic way to do it. Since you have told me to do this, I've gotten comments from even strangers just walking along the street saying, you're, you're telling me it looks longer, which I, I am very impressed by. So That's, that's a good thing. Yes. Okay, so um, we are going to sit down now. Sounds like a plan. And we're going to talk about our subject, which is shoes. So we're going to talk about the makings of a good shoe. So this is super important. So um, I'm just grabbing a sneaker type shoe. So as you see, this is, this is the shoe. So we also realize that a lot of people will not be wearing sneaker-like shoes a lot. So what I tell my patients is you wanna be wearing these kind of shoes where you can easily fit your orthotics into them when you exercise, when you are shopping and you're going up and down the aisles. Also, if you go on vacation and you're gonna be doing hiking, you're gonna be sightseeing, so you definitely wanna do it there. Any other time is gravy, but I personally use a shoe, a dress shoe, that has an inner sole that comes out so I can put my orthotic in that too. So you wanna maximize the use of your orthotics, so therefore you wanna to try to get it into a shoe that can that it can fit. So here are, here are the makings of a good shoe. So the first thing you wanna know is the back of the shoe right over here, which is called the counter. You wanna make sure that it does not squeeze too much. So therefore, if this part behind the heel is flimsy, such as this, that's gonna give no control to the side-to-side -side motion of your foot. It's also gonna allow your foot to go forward in the shoe and jam the front part. So you want that nice and firm down there. So the next thing you want to look at the sole. I prefer a nice firm rubber sole uh, that you cannot twist in the middle. So there can be no twisting in the middle like a pretzel and that especially is important for a sandal where a lot of sandals are out there that are super flimsy in the arch and of course that's gonna cause a lot of problems. So the next thing that I look for is an insole that comes out easy. Something that's not glued in so you pull that out and voila, you can put your orthotic right in in its place. Your, your orthotic wants to sit low in the shoe. That's why you wanna take that insole out. You wanna take advantage of that firm counter in the back so that the orthotic is controlling your foot, but it will do nothing if you don't have a firm counter behind you. So then 
a lace or a Velcro closure to push your foot back. So it's pushed back into the back firm counter. So you're being nice and snug there. You got the orthotic under you as your foundation. And then you're gonna be controlling motion, which is key. Then finally, the last thing, of course you wanna get the, if you have a wide foot, you have to consider getting a wide width, which people refuse to do. They wanna stay in a medium width, but if you have a wide foot, you must get a wide width. You can't, you can't fight that. The key thing, that I'm teaching my patients every day that uh, I find that this uh, most patients of mine are not wearing the right size shoe and we'll talk about that later is you take your thumb and line your thumb up with the end of the shoe and you want your longest toe at the other side of your thumb so roughly about an inch your longest toe might be your first toe your second or your third so whichever one it may be you want it back there about an inch from the end of the shoe that way you will have enough room for your the forefoot not jamming against the shoe. That's gonna help with all forefoot problems, especially nail problems, bunion problems, hammer toes, neuromas. All of these things are gonna to benefit to having that extra toe room. And one point also is that I, I prefer, unless I'm forced to, to make my orthotics go about three quarters of the length of the shoe. So I have my orthotics end roughly over here also to maximize the room in the front part of the shoe so things can spread out. So do you have any, any further comments on, on shoes that you like to share? Yeah, the, the only thing else I'd like to share, and I see it all the time, and I'm sure you do as well, is oftentimes as people get older, they develop bunions, they develop hammer toes, and so oftentimes it's not unusual for the forefoot to be wider than the heel, but you always have to err on the side of fitting for the widest part of your foot, not the narrowest part of your foot. So when that happens, invariably when you find something that can accommodate a bunion or hammer toes, you're gonna to find that the heel slips out of the shoe and so they sell things called heel grips you can buy them online on Amazon you can buy them uh, in shoe stores and those will properly go on the inside of the back of the shoe to hold the heel so as long as you have enough room in the forefoot your heel may slip out the heel grip will hold it in place but uh, everything else you said I totally agree with okay I also have another trick for that also if uh, I find this also when people get when my patients get wide widths the shoe companies make the heel wide too, right. which usually is not necessary. So right. there's lots of gapping there. There you want it. So besides the heel grip in the back, I like to go with a tongue pad. This Absolutely. is called the tongue of the shoe. So you put a piece of felt right under the tongue to push you back, so that your heel is going to be snug to the back of the shoe. So that's going to push you back. So a combination of those two, one, the other, both, whatever it may be. Also, the way to tell that the back of your shoe is snug is taking your pinky and you shouldn't be able to bring it straight down to the bottom of the shoe. You sh there should be some resistance about halfway down. That means that the foot is all the way in the back and nice and snug. So that's a little trick that I learned. So I, lots, of, uh, lots of times I'm putting tongue pads into the shoes. I will especially um, do that with a loafer shoe because the tongue pad actually acts like a lace. Absolutely. It's pushing you back. The whole key is getting pushed back and being held back firm. So um, a couple other things about shoes. So as far as shoe style. So a sneaker walking shoe to me is the ideal shoe. So then when we get to uh, where people don't wanna wear those kind of shoes, well, what kind of shoes to wear? So in Florida, of course, everyone wants to wear sandals. So the, to me, the sandals to avoid are the thong sandals that have the, 
the thong between the first and second toe. What that does is that promotes your toes to grip the shoe. And that's gonna lead to early hammer toes, which is the toe going like the back of a hammer. Um, and bunions too, for that matter. A lot of times those sandals are twisty in the middle, you don't want that. So you want a nice firm, whether it's a, a leather cork or firm rubber sandal, you wanna try to get the, the, uh, the part that's connecting your foot to the shoe coming across the top of your foot below a bunion and between the bunion and the ankle, you want some sort of material there. I like to tell my patients that if you're just wearing it in the house, that's sufficient. But if you're gonna take that sandal and go out with it, try to get something that has a strap behind the heel Absolutely. too. Absolutely, in place, yeah. So, um, and then finally, when you're getting to dress shoes. So, the shoes to avoid, to me, are slippers at home, so you go with an open toe sandal instead. And for, for men and ladies, loafers to me are the worst shoe because it, it inevitably you have to wear a shoe that's too short in order to keep your foot in. So if you try to get the, the proper length of a loafer and you do your thumb, well then guess what's gonna happen? Your heel's gonna come right out. So then, oh, I can't get that size, I have to get a size shorter. Right. And then that causes all sorts of problems uh, in the forefoot usually. Um, so, Instead, for a man, I'll just say wear an Oxford, you know, lace type shoe. For a woman, instead of the slides that most women like to wear, I'm going to recommend an ankle high boot. So, and if you're if you're in a cold weather climate, you can go up to below the knee, but in Florida, ankle high is more realistic. So, you make sure that the counter is firm of the of the of the shoe. Right. And the fact that it comes high means that you can get it out away from the front part of your foot. And it can even be pointy, as long as it's pointy away Beyond from foot. your feet. It can be round or square, but the key is you can get that longer size that everybody hates to get because it's gonna make their feet look like Frankenstein. But that's what you want if you want to avoid problems. And so the key is you get it longer with the ankle high boot, you won't come out of it because the shoe comes above the ankle, so you're protected from coming out of it, so you can get the right size. There's a shoe out there, uh, free plug, and I'm not being sponsored by them, um, but you know, I wish I was. Shoe called Allbirds, who I love. I'm wearing this is their this is their uh, their their lace up, their Oxford, but they make high tops also, and they're show, so yeah, show. absolutely. Here, <laughs> this is an Allbird. They're made from either wool, merino wool, or they're also made from bamboo. Um, it's a wonderful product. I have terrible feet, that's how I got into podiatry. It's very unusual for me to be able to step into a shoe and feel comfortable. These Allbirds are phenomenally comfortable. It's a unique company. You can only buy them online, but they make, as I said, both a, a wool one, which you can wash in the washing machine. Probably the most comfortable shoe other than my running sneakers. Yeah, I know, I, I know they don't, I know they don't. It fails. I know, I know it does. It well, I mean, Actually, though, there is a plate there, but I know it can squeeze. If, I know. If you can squeeze. I know. I know. I'm giving, I'm giving I knew you were going to say that. I know you're getting the thumbs down. I love it. It's so comfortable for me. It really is. But I, I, I agree with you. It doesn't have the rigid heel counter, but I love them. I really do.
All righty then. <laughs> okay. All right. I just talked about all these yeah, I know characteristics of a good shoe, and you're showing a shoe. My, my hocus are, you know, I, I'm 99% I'm of the time I'm in running sneakers. I even, even like during the day, I'm always in running sneakers. I love them. Yeah. All right. Well, I won't be wearing that. I know you won't. I will not. I'm pretty, I, have, I have high standards. Okay, so um, now uh, we are, I think we're done with our shoe talk, so now we're going to get on to your segment. Absolutely. So our segment we call What's Up With That, not to be confused with What's Up With That on Saturday Night Live, but it's basically something that either bothers us or a question in, in going along with what Dr. Rimmler is talking about, Dr. Rick is talking about with shoes. I mean, one of the things that I see constantly is just people that come in that are not fit properly for shoes. The, the first problem is it's impossible to find anybody these days that even will measure you, no less knows their product and understands how to properly fit someone for a shoe. I always recommend, not these, not these shoes apparently anymore, <laughs> I'll be scolded after that, but um, I do recommend going to, to buy a sneaker, a running sneaker store that's owned by runners. They're all trained to watch you walk as a free service. They often provide you going there. They'll watch you walk on a treadmill and even videotape you. They'll watch your gait because it's all about the arch. It's all about matching your foot and the particular architecture of your arch with the proper sneaker. So they'll do that at a running sneaker store. The other thing that I usually recommend is that people go at the end of the day. Believe it or not, your foot can go up about a half size from the morning to the afternoon. So I tell people after you've been working, standing on your feet exercising then first go there's no such thing as breaking in a shoe it's very rare that you have to break in a shoe yes if you do purchase a, a, a dress shoe that is made of a hard leather is perhaps it has to stretch and perhaps at first it'll feel snug but certainly for sneakers unless that foot feels unless that sneaker feels amazing from the moment you step into it and you go oh my god where have you been all my life it's not the right sneaker for you it has to fit wonderful from the moment you step into it the other thing we talked about already is just making sure you match up the widest part of your foot with the widest part of the shoe or sneaker. Um, oftentimes, I can't tell you how many times there used to be a huge running sneaker store um, down here uh, called Just About Feet. And I remember going in there and watching someone that clearly had no idea at all of how to properly match up the person purchasing a shoe with the right sneaker, they would give them something that clearly had too hard of an arch or not appropriate for them, just so they could say, well, that doesn't feel really good. Well, that's because you need to purchase my orthotic also. No, if something feels great, it should feel great for the moment you step into it. Um, other than that, I'm just trying to think. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah, when I get a new shoe, the only breaking in that I do for the new shoe the front. is I take it and I go like this, right. And, I, and I, I just do that a couple of times because that's the only spot where you want the shoe to bend, right? Where it flares out, where the foot meets the toes, right at this spot, right around here. And that's where you want it to bend. You do not want it to bend in the arch. That will cause a lot of problems. So I'll just do that a couple of times, sure. and that's the only breaking in that a shoe should require. Absolutely. Um, the other thing I'll reemphasize re what you had said, Doc Rick, is that, again, I'm a big believer in orthotics, as is Doc Rick, and so you want to make sure that nowadays, besides running sneakers, a good running sneaker should have a removable foam inner sole, a removable arch. You take that out and replace it with, with an orthotic, either custom or semi-custom, um, that we can talk about at another time. Uh, other than the that, next month's show. Oh, perfect. Next okay. month's show is orthotic. Perfect. So. Um, the only other thing I was going to say is that um, 
for people that say, I can't buy a running sneaker, I, I, I can't tie my, my shoes. Uh, so there are uh, bungee cord laces, there are, run even for runners, there are laces that you just tie them once and then you can simply slip your foot into them. There are even dress shoes out there. New Balance has their own line of dress shoes, Aravon. Uh, Rockports has Rock Sports. Floorshine, which makes great dress shoes, makes Comfort uh, Tech, which is a, all of these are built like a running sneaker. So they have removable foam inner soles, so you can put your orthotic in them. And they're built like a running sneaker, so there's more room in the toe box and they're more comfortable. So people don't have to wear things that they have to jump out of a third floor and coat their foot in butter to shoot to fit into. You can actually fit something that fits you properly. Yeah, I also um, like to say that to rely something now these running shoe stores are usually very good at trying to identify foot types and things however i think that i do a better job than they sure so uh if a patient is rely there are all these different categories of running shoes now motion control and a stability shoe and all of these different things i personally would rather the patient just get a neutral type shoe and let the orthotic do the heavy work. Now, if you are in that neutral shoe and the orthotics not able to do enough, well then, you can then go and add whichever direction you're going with the shoe to give a little bit more, whether it's a little bit of extra support on the inside, a little bit of extra cushioning, or going with a high top for whatever the reason, you can then tweak it. But the orthotic is the one that's really gonna match up to the arch and the foot the, the, the right foundation under it. And so that to me is gonna do the heavy lifting. Um, so that is the take home point there. Absolutely. But also one other thing that I have patients that are 80 years old and I ask them what their shoe size is and they say, oh, it's 11. And it's, I said, really? And I measure their feet and they're 13. And oh no, I've always been 11 since I was 20. Well, guess what? Your feet get longer and wider as you get older. So as, as in life, everything changes, yes. uh, so you have to change with it. So don't be married to a shoe size. Uh, even if you don't know your shoe size, every shoe is treated individually. You put it on and you, do, you test the counter, you test all the things that I was talking about, you put your thumb down, you wanna see the shoe on the other side of your thumb. Good, doesn't matter what the size is, so don't get caught up on the size. Right. As we know, they're, the shoes today are made in many different countries. The lasts that they make the shoes uh, on totally are totally different in every country. So you have size to, doesn't matter is the rule you want to take from exactly, today. Exactly. For instance, I, I wear a Hoka. My, my favorite sneaker in the world is a Hoka, so I wear a size 13. When I was given a free pair of Nike Airs, it was a 14 and a half. Nikes, I have found, always traditionally run much smaller than other right. sneakers. Right, so totally so they, different. Yeah, totally different lengths. And they run narrower, too. Yeah, absolutely. Although I do see a lot of Nikes now that are flaring out in the forefoot, so I'm happy about that. Yes. So it's given a little bit more room there. No, but like you said, don't be married to size. It changes with each shoe. But I, I have also seen a lot of shoes in the gym where they're a very light shoe. 
However, all they would have to do to make that shoe better, and then I, I, it's a light shoe, and then I see it, and you can twist it in the middle, and the counter is is like mush, is mush, <laughs> like those. Yeah, I'm glad like these you, awful I'm shoes that I never glad, recommend. You know, I, I think I think that you wore those today as a specifically as yes. a counterpoint yes. to point to counterpoint. this shoe. Yes, Gene, you ignorant. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, it looks like we are out of here, and. I just want to say uh, thank you for the show. Thank you for the show, sir. And I uh, hope everybody enjoyed it out there. And we hope everybody keeps on watching Holistic Strides to keep everything zen.